0: Hey everyone, this is Paul Kingsbury. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast, where we provide fresh perspectives to help you become a more sturdy, versatile, and credible leader and manager. Engage with us online at CutlassLeadership.com and like and follow my Facebook page. And send me your questions and topic suggestions to CutlassLeadership at gmail.com. Enjoy this episode. Chapter 6 of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, titled Carrots and Sticks, introduced the readers to their reward and coercive power bases. We have discussed on many other episodes of the podcast the importance of your personal and expert power bases. And those are key, but your position or role brings with it rewards and coercive power tools that you can and must use to help you shape behavior and the attitudes you desire in your teams. So I want to take some time today to discuss the importance of the first of these two power bases, reward power, and how you can better use it. So today with me is my guest, U.S. Coast Guard Bosun Mate Chief Phil Null. Phil's been a prior guest on the Cutlass Podcast before, and he's also the creator and co-host of the They Had to Go Out Podcast. So, Phil, welcome back. What's been going on?
1: Hey, Paul, thanks for uh, thanks for having me again. I just uh, finished a, a really rough PCS move up to the the state of Maine. I think it's the only uh, only coast in the country I haven't worked so far. But uh, reported to a, a multi mission station up there, just on just south of the border, and uh, loving it, li- living the dream. Uh, what a, what a great job! What a, what a cool coast. Uh, they call it the Bold Coast there, and uh, definitely a fitting name for. How rocky and uh, and high it is! Uh, probably the the biggest I've seen on the East Coast. Uh, you know, no, there's nowhere else that compares to it except on the West.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of your posts on uh, you know social media and Instagram and stuff. It's definitely beautiful scenery. And uh, so, again, congratulations on that new tour, and hopefully you're selling in well. Yeah, ready to jump into discussing this concept of carrots or reward power.
1: Let's do it. I'm looking forward to it.
0: All right, cool. So as I mentioned, leaders and managers have rewards they've got available to them to use. And I think it's important time to time for us all in a position or role. And, you know, we talk primarily from a leader managerial role, but parents have rewards as well. And people put this in the context of their parenting. I think it'll help them connect a little bit. But some of these rewards are formal and impersonal, um, such as monetary awards uh, and others are more personal. So before we get into the specific types of awards that people have and they should consider, let's talk about why you think it's important that your people or that you know your people before you start giving them rewards.
1: The most familiar award that I think people are going to know in the military, right, are, are ribbons and medals. That's, that's just – that's how we reward people in general, right? Yep. Uh, Napoleon said that uh, a soldier will fight long and hard for a bit of colored ribbon. And if you think about that, there's there's a ton of truth in that statement. Um, just for the simple fact that we we attach meaning to those ribbons, right? Um, and, and meaning's the key. So I had a uh, quick story at a supervisor, a senior chief bosun mate who was a multiple uh, multiple tour commanding officer, officer in charge, uh, sailed aboard cutters in some of the busiest and most dangerous waters, uh, you know that the, the Coast Guard operates in, responded to hurricanes did all this epic operational stuff, right? That was all mission oriented. And uh, one time talking to him, he told me about uh, one of the most meaningful rewards that he ever got. And it, it really surprised me because it was a, a meritorious volunteer service medal, right? Something that uh, that basically he, he worked to get, it didn't even work to get just, uh, you know, it came to him from from the actions that he did off duty. Had no attachment to the job itself. Uh, really was just kind of a personal personal drive that he had to help out in his local community and, and help out with some uh, some national level projects uh, with the coast guard chief petty officers association the enlisted association and then uh habitat for humanity you name it he was he was pretty much a member when he started doing it it was really after he he got to that senior that E8 level and had to delegate a lot of tasks down to uh to more junior people right to develop yeah. them so okay. so he was kind of looking for uh you know, just looking to fill that void uh, because now he's being paid for what he knows and and for the questions that he can answer more than maybe some of the work that he would actually do physically. Right. Right. And uh, he he ends up getting this uh, this meritorious volunteer service medal for all the hours that he put in, all the lives that he positively impacted. And again, it was off duty, but but it was so meaningful to that guy. And it was almost like it. It recommitted him to the service and to, you know, to continuing to kind of push some of his, his normal everyday workload down to delegate it down to more junior people. It, I, I don't know. I found, I found it kind of amazing, right? Because it, it shows you that people attach meaning to, to something I would have never expected. Yep. And that's what it all really boils down to is you got to, if you're going to reward somebody, re- make it meaning. And, uh, and it may surprise you what's meaningful to people. You really have to get to know them to, uh, to figure out what's, uh, what's really the motivation behind what they're doing.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, and to your point, right, um, I think that's a great word, the meaning behind it, because we all find meaning what motivates you. Um, Some people are heavily motivated with money, right? So they'll respond well to that tempting bonus or that opportunity to make more money. And some people respond well to things they can put up on their wall, right? They're very big on displaying their achievements. So I think it's keying into that. So that's a great point. So let's start with things that you can't necessarily put up on a wall. And these are, you know, when you look at the things you've got available. One that's readily available to any leader regardless, um, because frankly, some of these things you got to have the authority to issue, right? As you said, to give a medal or a level of appreciation, sometimes that's not within your actual um, authority as a leader to do. You've got to request those or you got to make recommendations to a higher authority. But one thing we all have access to is this thing called praise. So why is praise so powerful? How do you use it? And, uh, and then let's talk a little bit about, do you see some people tend to avoid using it and why they would do that or not?
1: So, uh, so I'm going to answer this question in reverse because, uh, I think that's the way most people would look at it is that, uh, you know, praise at the end of the day is kind of awkward, right? It, I mean, it really, it's a, it's an awkward thing because some people accept it readily and, uh, they want it. Other people would deny it, but actually, you know, really appreciate it. So so it can be awkward. Praise can be very awkward. And, uh, you know, you, you praise in public, right? Because you want to you want to recognize the person. You want other people to emulate their behavior. So I think, you know, what, one of the biggest things with praise is why it's so powerful and how to use it is that it has to be public. I, I think that if you want the biggest bang for your buck, you do it in public and um, you have to be comfortable with the delivery when you do that. So, so what I've noticed just through, you know, and throughout my career, you know, one, if, if you're going to do it, make sure that you, especially at a senior, senior leader level that you, you kind of engage with the leaders below you and make sure that we're praising the right guy yep uh, or girl. Right. Because sometimes, um, you know, you see certain things, but, uh, but don't get to see the, uh, the everyday. And uh, the praise may be display or misplaced. So make sure that you're, You're actually praising someone that's uh, deserving, and that just takes engagement with the chain. When you do do it publicly, you know I. We're in a culture these days that's uh, that's focused on social media and uh, photos and videos. One of the biggest things I've found is is have a good backdrop. Like if we're going to praise somebody and we're going to do it publicly, let's let's make it to where we can kind of commemorate the the moment. You know, they can look back on this picture one day and say, "Hey, that was." That was a really cool moment, right? That I, I was recognized for doing something to, that I did. And they, they have a picture to capture it. It takes me to a uh, cast unit I was at. Uh, we were actually doing advancements on, on a, one of the biggest Coast Guard bases uh, in the country. And the place that they picked to, to hold the ceremonies, and again, this is kind of, this is a, it's, it's a form of praise, right? Advancement in, in, a, in yes. a sense. yep. The place they picked to do the ceremony was in front of like kind of a nondescript building. It was near the flagpole, but the flag was about a hundred feet up, so you couldn't see the flag. Just off to the left was a huge, picturesque bay that you could you could see the sun sunrise from. Uh, but for some reason, we did it in front of this nondescript building. Looked terrible. No one really liked it. The master chief petty officer of the coast guard came down one day for an advancement. and witnessed where we were doing it, and I remember the uh, the words out of his mouth were like, "Why are you wasting the view?" You know, like, why, why didn't we just reorient this whole ceremony and take it with the, uh, with the water in the background? So yeah. it, it shows that it's noticeable, you know, even, even from that level, I, I thought it was interesting that, that he even noticed, Hey, it, it does matter about place and about how you, uh, how you kind of prep these things. So if you're going to do praise, I vote either, you know, if you're, if you're on the boat and it's immediate and you're doing it with a member of your close knit crew, it's one thing to say, Hey, great job. You guys all did awesome. Right. If you're doing it as you know of the larger command or the larger crew, make it a public thing. Get you know get get people out there, do it at quarters in the morning, and, and make it look good. Try and uh, try and commemorate it a little bit. That would be uh, that be my advice. I think that's where I've seen it have the most impact.
0: Okay, yeah. So to your point, right? It's uh, so this praise, is public praise, and if I'm presenting a medal or I'm giving a bonus or doing some other kind of thing. I am also verbally praising with that, right? And I think that validates, right? It it fulfills this deep psychological need. I think it goes from a very primal place, right? When we were these hunter-gatherers and you wanted to know that you were accepted in the tribe, right? So this validation that, yes, I'm in the tribe and I'm doing the things that the tribe wants is very powerful. And then another thing you mentioned was leader presence, right? So to have the Master Chief Head of the Coast Guard come in there, You know, your presence as a very senior leader sends a signal, right? So sometimes when you you want to think about, you just don't go everywhere all the time. But when you go somewhere where the command's doing the right thing, you're using your position as a form of reward power there. And then on the other hand, if you show up all the time when things are going bad, you're really starting to shift your position and your presence to a more coercive-based thing. So just consider that as a leader, where you show up and what you show up for can be used as a reward or coercive power tool. All right. So another reward that we have at least, and others do, right. You know, it might be a military leader, might be a civilian leader. Is You have the ability to get favorable evaluations and recommendations for jobs or advancement opportunities. So what's your experience here with this?
1: I've read and, and went to the lectures and, and the trainings where uh, the, we, we call it the enlisted evaluation system, EES uh, or marks. So our, our MARCS system you know, it's been told time and again that it's uh, unbiased and, and uh, you know, you measure each individual independently. And I, I fully agree with that. But I also realize it's a promotion tool. I mean, period. That's that's what evaluations are. They're a promotion tool. Yep. They're a tool to get people where they want to be in their career and hopefully to advance those those really deserving people. Right. So you have to I think no matter what, you have to look at it from that perspective. And use it for what it's, what it's there for. I mean, okay. I want to advance, you know, selfless leaders who, who can make decisions that balance the needs of the mission of the people, right? And that, and they proven themselves to do it. Those are the guys that are going to earn girls that are going to get the, the best marks, right? It's not something that's, that's given freely. I, I think when you, when you look at these things, look for the people that are ready to take that next step. And uh, if they're not, you need to have some very clear guidance on how they can improve going forward. Uh, I've never marked someone low without giving them, you know, some kind of guidance, right? Hey, here's some specific steps that you need to take next time to, I won't say impress me, but that, again, that's kind of what it boils down to, right? It's like you need to impress your bosses so that you do get these good marks so that they will go to bat for you, especially at the enlisted level. When we're writing for junior enlisted and maybe it has to be approved all the way up to you know, the commanding officer an 06 level or something has to go through different department heads and, and division officers. Well, you know, someone's got to stand up there and defend those, right? If I can't defend you because you haven't done anything, I'm not going to put my neck out there. Be someone that I want to defend or that I'm willing to defend because I think that, uh, you're going to get there. So I, th- I think those advanced or those um, evaluations are a two way street. I mean, there's a lot of give and take, right? If someone's showing showing the capacity to to advance or to get those special assignments, and they need the good evaluation, then they get it. If they're not showing that, or they're not showing a drive and motivation to advance, there's not a whole lot of motivation from your supervisors to to help out. So there, there's definitely a given a give and take on those.
0: Yeah. So it's a it's kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? So from the organization, I guess it could be considered a reward or an award, but really the organization is looking to identify talent, looking for people that have the leadership and management skills and the potential to fulfill responsibilities at a higher level, right? So from that position, they may not be looking at it as a reward power, but the person is definitely seeing the outcome, right? So for them, there's more prestige with an advancement. There's more opportunity for money, right? Um, it, it's definitely – it's moving you up Myaslo's hierarchy. So it is an award from that perspective. And I think that's uh, important for leaders to re- reflect on. I would say
1: I would say too Paul that's a good development thing right if if your junior guys aren't putting forth some effort into their their mark support forms yep then that's something that's something that needs to be addressed quickly I think um because even one that you get at a junior level uh you know in the modern service can really impact you a decade from now right so put some effort in
0: absolutely all right so another one we can use um so in the military, not so much, because the bonuses are really controlled, at least on the navy side, you know, by specific needs of the organization. But uh, some organizations offers, offer bonuses as a reward or time off. What do you think about those? When do you use those to incentivize behavior?
1: You know, I, you always see the sailor of the quarter gets the it gets the twenty four hour or the forty eight hour liberty pass. That's yep. pretty common, um, and and that's obviously a, a reward. I think a lot of times, uh, the way I've seen it used most in the past is. If somebody had a uh, particularly like a crew had a uh, had a rough case or a a really prolonged like punishing duty period, you got to recognize the stress levels are up and and give them give them that as a reward. Right. You you guys did an awesome job out there. You you really committed. You you stayed uh, focused on the mission for however many hours you were on duty. You know, go ahead and get out of here early. Right. I, I've seen that used many, many times, but it, it's all, it, it's kind of the same with the attaching meaning. Right. This is one of those th- times where you have to look for the right opportunity. So when the opportunity comes, I think, you know, it right when people need time off or they want time off. Maybe it's that holiday weekend on a Friday and two boat training scheduled that day. It, it, you know, probably the right time to skip it, right? Like, here's an opportunity, a, a quick layup where everybody gets off a little bit early and, and they get to go uh, get to go spend times with their family or, or do whatever else they do when they're off. Um, just look for the opportunity.
0: You know, here's a point about reward power, right? It's not just for the person. It signals to the organization what we value as well. And we'll discuss that when we do our episode on coercive of Power but uh, it goes beyond just the reward for the individual. You're actually using this as a communication tool about standards and, and the fact that we reward people who ideally perform above the standards, not just come to do their job because that gets you a paycheck and benefits. But I think you got to think about those things. So for time off, I still remember this. And to highlight my point, uh, when I was a young petty officer, we had a, a second-class petty officer. He came in one day, you know, we did our morning huddle down in the propulsion plant and he's like, "Uh, all right, I need a volunteer, right? So look around, obviously, you know, Navy, never again volunteer yourself. No one raises their hand. (laughs) So I'm pretty junior at this point. I raised my hand uh, and my work center supervisor was like, all right, Paul, go ahead, take out trash and leave for the day. Everyone was like, "Whoa," you know what I mean? So I took out the trash, right, um, and left. I remember he came back, and then a few days later, right, he said, "I need a volunteer." So how many hands do you think went up this time? Right, a lot of them. And he's <laughs> like, "All right, I need you to go do this task." Right, so they're like, "What the heck?" And he's like, yeah. "Yeah." He's like, "Well, you gave Paul time off." He's like, "Yeah, but from time to time, I need to reward people who volunteer and want to come to the Ford." So I thought that was that stuck with me for thirty plus years. It's just an example of how you can use, you know, it's a small bit of reward power that you can turn to your advantage.
1: It's a pretty good one too. I like that one.
0: (laughs) Yep. All right. And then you got the formal stuff, right? You mentioned this before, uh, like medals and ribbons. I wrote an article on this in Proceedings Magazine and I want to get your thoughts, but what's your advice on the standards for these and how we should issue these? Yeah. So the visible reward is there um and the reward you get from the praise at the ceremony is important but you know another cool part of medals and ribbons is or any kind of per, you know visible insignia is that you get rewarded every every time someone asks you about that medal because you get to tell your story again right so again it's a form of praise ongoing praise so what are your thoughts on medals
1: yeah, I'd say hundred percent on that, you know, every time they, they look at that bit of ribbon, right? People recognize I mean that's the that's how you size people up when they first report to your unit is you, you look at their chest and you uh you know, you kinda gauge where they've been and, you know, campaigns or quals or, or whatever else they may have. So that's I think my biggest thing is look for opportunities. Anyone you see that has a chest full of ribbons had had good supervisors that are uh that are putting them in for those awards. That it's not just something that happens, right? People don't just Get rewarded without some work on the back end. So I always look for opportunities, especially as I've I've gotten more senior. I kind of recognize now that, uh, it really takes a good boss to get people rewards that they're either qualified or deserving of, right? I mean, there's, there's a few different criteria depending on what you're, you know, what you're trying to put them in for. But, you know, if, if something happens and they go above and beyond, and it's reward worthy, then you need to, you need to look into a way to do that. If a solicitation comes out for, uh, some reward program, look at your entire unit and figure out who you could put in for it. Right. Because someone at the end of the day is going to win in in particular those, uh, you know, sailor of the year, uh, civilian of the year, anything like that. People are going to, someone's going to be selected, right? If you don't even put a candidate in the pool, None of your people are going to be that guy, yes. And they they end up there ends up being a lot of resentment, uh, you know, from what I've seen on that. And I'll tell you, hosting a podcast where I talk talk to veterans in the service, you hear it from you know quite a few people that uh that are just in some incredibly dramatic and and dangerous situations that weren't rewarded. And I, you know, whether neither here nor there, right? But at the end of the day, their boss never put them in for it is probably what happened, right? Yeah when, Hey, this was a perfect opportunity to reward someone. These citations, even, you know, if you go to a lot of units, you'll see, uh, you know, unit and even individual citations that are mounted to the wall, right. From cases that people have been involved in, those are inspiring to the next generation. If you yes. write it up, you're not, you're not just rewarding that individual. You're you're kind of rewarding the organization. Right. And yeah. you know, the posterity is they, they come in and see that.
0: So you mentioned a point there. I want to pause on it is, uh, It's on the boss, right? So you and I have both probably been in positions where how crappy is that when your supervisor comes to you and go, hey, draft me up your reward input. I mean, you can't devalue a reward, anything more than that. Part of the coolness about it is the unexpected and the surprise that comes along with it. So when you do that, you just devalue that award. And then another thing you brought up is knowing the opportunities for rewards, right? So we talked about a lot of things internal to the organization, specifically the military. But there are a lot of external reward programs that this gets into information power base, and I mentioned this, you know, in a, uh, another you know video and podcast. But your information power is how you get access and and get informed on opportunities that perhaps the Navy League or the Naval Institute or you know the Society for Naval Engineers or any of these external organizations can offer you. So it is on the boss to know those opportunities and to initiate the award process.
1: And you'll be loved for it. I think if you, you know, I mean, if you, if you know, that's what kind of gets you excited to to be the boss that's loved. If you have that information power and you do put people in for it, they'll go above and beyond, just like Napoleon said, just to uh, to know that you have their back. I guess in that point.
0: And like I mentioned, we're going to uh, we're going to do another session. We're going to you know cover down on uh, you know the stick side of this, the course of power, but. Bottom line, um, it's been proven with behavioral science that people respond better to reward power than they will to coercive power any day. All right, let's get into some of these guidelines for using reward power. So we talked about one is key is number one, know the reward power tools you've got available. We discussed some of those that are available to military leaders. But when you get into a new position uh, of responsibility and authority, one of the things you should immediately take inventory of is, hey, beyond verbal praise and the stuff that's free, what rewards do I have the authority to provide and then which ones can I make recommendations and then do I know when those award programs come out and how I put my people in for them other stuff is out there so number one what do you think about don't promise what you can't give
1: I mean that's huge right it definitely never uh, until that that citation signed uh, don't uh, don't hand it out I've seen that happen before or come close to happening I guess but you know that said that it's not really a limiter um I don't think it's a bad thing to tell people at some point that uh, that you have put them in for an award and that hey, what what you guys did was was awesome, and whether or not it pans out is, is kind of neither here nor there. At least they know that their boss is looking out for them, right, yep. and trying to trying to recognize their performance. So even if uh, even if you can't promise the award, sometimes the knowledge that that you put put them up for it is uh, is meaningful enough.
0: But as a leader, just be a good follower too. And if that war doesn't come through, don't start. Shit, talking the supervisor that didn't approve it, right? Yeah. That's an important part of sure,
1: yeah. That that's huge, right? You know, and and that to that point, I think, um, you know, in general, there's an an awards board, right? So yep. if it if that one didn't go up, there's always opportunities to to maybe put it up for a lesser award, you know, to go back in on the next award board. Or you know, read your citation, and if you've got some, you know, what I've always found that worked really well was find the uh, find the citations that did go through, and you know, y- use that as a good template because no need to reinvent the wheel if the rewards board or the awards board is approving, you know, certain verbiage in awards, and that's that's a lot of times that's what it comes down to is do they like the verbiage that's in there? Then um, you know, stick stick with those templates and and use them. Yep,
0: and that's important, right? So, uh, you know, within the military or civilian organizations, there are usually some kind of instructions or policies that govern the guidance of these awards or the standards, right? So, number one, pull that out and and make sure that the awards you're putting your people in for that you're you're actually submitting it to the standard, right? You might be thinking you're doing a good thing, but your people just don't meet the you know the minimum standard for that reward. Um, all right, we don't
1: talk- don't be afraid don't don't be afraid to go high either. Right. If, yes. uh, You know, if you if you do feel like they warrant it, don't be afraid to go high. I mean, I always, I always, I'm, I guess I'm kind of like a shoot for the moon kind of person. Yep. If uh, you know, if it's coast guard medal worthy, it's going in for a coast guard medal, and then you know, more than likely, right, th- those are that's an incredibly high award. Uh, maybe it doesn't doesn't go through. But then we can, we can lessen it down on the back end and maybe get it through.
0: And then, like you said, the boards will figure that out, right? The convening and the approving authority will figure out like, Hey, doesn't merit that, but you're usually going to, they'll go to the appropriate award. So that's some good advice. We talked about knowing the rewards that your people want, right? So knowing your people. So during those check-in type interviews or those, you know, not everything has to be formal, but those off-duty, you know, kind of informal conversations, you'll get a sense of what motivates your people, whether it's chess candy, money, you know, verbal praise and those things. So knowing your people's important. And then you mentioned about praising in public, you know, we always praise in public. And then we also, uh, um, we admonish in private. And then the last thing I'd offer is being fair and consistent with rewards. Have you seen where this doesn't work?
1: Uh, I have, you know, I, this is a, this is probably a, you know, more difficult one to talk about, but, but there are a lot of diversity awards out there right now that are targeted for specific um, demographics, right? Like you, it, everybody's seen the solicitations for, uh, you, you know, you have to match a certain demographic to even be eligible for the award. Okay. And I've seen that cause some strife, you know, on the back end, uh, where people are like, well, you know, why aren't we eligible? Well, I think what that comes down to is just a, a leadership challenge of, of being able to tell people why diversity is important and why we're trying to, to broaden diversity among the services, right? And this is one tool available to us, just like we're talking about now you know, reward power. It, it is a power. It's, it's a way to motivate people, a way to get people to join, to to continue to serve. And, uh, you know, for those um, those demographics that are underrepresented, we have to do something to get them there, right? I mean, it's these are mandates from Congress. These are mandates from the American people who we serve. So this is a way to do that. And I think a lot of times people lose sight of that and just focus on, you know, fairness, uh, you know, in their opinion, And it it is a leadership challenge, but it's something that I think we as leaders have to, you know, ingrain and ourselves and then find a way to support those decisions.
0: One of the things I always use as a litmus test for, quote unquote, fair and consistent would have been when you present that award or that reward at a public setting, you'll see the response. Right. So you kind of know you got it right when everyone cheers. Right. And then if you see a lot of eye rolling kind of should make you kind of pause and go, okay. you know, because those people, once again, um, you're sending a signal out there that you're rewarding certain behaviors and, and your command or your team will see that inconsistency. So any last thoughts from you on the use of reward power or any uh, unique approaches to rewards that you've seen supervisors or that you use that are popular or or connect well?
1: Well, you know, Paul, the one that we didn't talk about, right? And it's one that I always see. And, and one that I think we always miss is the we talk about time off, we talk about medals, you know, at the end of the day, these, everyone volunteered to serve in the military, right? We All of us have volunteered to serve. And the reason for that was the opportunity to do the mission and to make an impact. So one of the biggest rewards that I've ever seen is giving people that opportunity. If they're sitting there, you know, I guess in the Coast Guard, it's pretty easy. We have, every, you know, everybody at a station ranging from E3 to E9. And, you know, initially the E3 may be a mess cook, maybe get to answer some radios. That first time they get to go out on a boat, that's a reward. Yeah. I mean, they, they and, and you can just see it on their face. Every time they get to go on a boat after that's a reward. Every time that you kind of up the level of what they're going into, maybe the weather, the type of case, you know, you gave them a gun because they're a boarding team member. All of those are rewards. And those, I think, are some of the most meaningful because it lets them one, build that repertoire of, you know, stories that they can take back to their family and friends and, and share. And, um, you know, everybody likes to do that, that, that would be, I think one of those biggest undervalued rewards that we have is opportunities for people to get out there and do the mission. Never underestimate the power of that.
0: All right. I if love you that. want
1: somebody to perform, put them out there.
0: Yeah. I love that point. A uh, great point to finish up on. So, all right. Thanks again, Phil, for uh, these insights and the discussion on user reward power. Uh, I look forward to part two. We're going to cover coercive power base. Definitely a, you know, an interesting discussion there. Uh, and we're going to get into the stick side of this discussion. So thanks again, Phil.
1: Yep. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate
0: it. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we discussed today, Or any other episodes, as always, you can check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or other resources that we list in the episode descriptions. If you want to provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at CutlassLeadership at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel and like, share, and comment so you can help me get this content out and about. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp. I want you to reflect and improve and then take what you learn and become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference in your personal and professional life.